now, the Wadfam Chalkpod. Hello and welcome to the Wadfam Chalkpod. I'm Dylan Weaver. And I'm Andrew Sabo. And we are here to talk about episode 898, The Rydell Revelations, part one. Yeah, we are. Um... Is there hope again, Andrew? There's there's so much hope. <laughs> there's so much hope. But there's also, I think, somehow more fear because there's two more parts. Yeah? I don't know. So the fact that we are talking about three episodes in a row that were all released back to back to back rather than being like years apart from each other. Yeah. Gives me a lot of hope. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I'm... I'm just curious. There's plenty of ways they could screw it up. Yeah. But this is a good first step. Yes. I'm not saying this episode's great, but after the last few, it is so refreshing. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And this is a really, really, really solid introduction to the end of an arc. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And, uh, and you know, to, to, to shout out... Uh, Lee, I was actually texted him after I finished listening to it. I was like, "This is nuts. This this episode is insane." Like, I, I don't know, but not in the bad way. No, that not the in the last bad episode way. was insane. No, 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 not at all. Um, yeah, let's let's get into it. Uh, do we have a promo, Dylan? Well, we do context first. Andrew. Well, what's the context? We don't care. I just want to talk I, about more. No, 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 but the, but the context is that this episode. <laughs> was recorded March 5th of 2020. Oh. That is, like, the day before the pandemic. Like, like a, a, a Wow. Week. That was when like, this was recorded? Correct. Wow. This episode is right pre-COVID. And it's this year. Right, yeah. It was recorded this March is... 5th. It aired on... Or it didn't air. It was uploaded to the um, AIO Club July 14th. And then it aired October 3rd. Yeah. Like a month ago. Yeah. Wow. Mmm. Mmm. This is good. This, they, they did a, you did a good one. It, it, it's very uh, Last Chance detective Z. I I got some, some very strong... Yeah, yeah I kind of get that. Well, and so I think, at least my two cents, one of the reasons it might feel kind of last chance detective is that this is not a John Campbell score. Who is it? Jared De Pasquale. Ooh. This, I, I caught that in the end of the credits. And I've was heard like, him, I've heard his name before. I think he did Green Ring. And was he like, oh, this is like an interesting thing that it's not... John Campbell. That it's not John Campbell. And he previously did... Like, he did Sacrificial Escape and Further From the Truth. But I didn't... The score of those didn't really jump out to me at all. They did. They sounded different to me. Okay. I just chalked it up to sounding like New Odyssey. But gotcha. this this no. itself sounded this is, really different. This is an elevated score. And they... Like, the outro music is so good. Yeah. It is like a kind of thriller remit. Not like Michael Jackson thriller. Like... like like know, spy suspense thriller. spy thriller um remix of the adventures and odyssey theme yeah and if anyone out there can get their hands on that without chris's thing uh you will be we will forever be indebted to you yes yeah, that pretty, is that's pretty sick nasty um because i would i would love for nathan's beautiful words to be put over that yeah uh for these three episodes you can't cut up the different tracks can you we'll we'll see what happens for this one i might try and isolate the instrumental from the vocals i've done that before for things it never sounds great but it might be worth it these voc are these instrumentals are pretty good yeah i i'm i i'm not the one doing the work here so you do whatever you're comfortable with but um yeah yeah so this is this is track one mm -hmm. on the 69th album best kept secrets Nice. <laughs> anyway, um, well, thank you for making the context relevant because I just gave you a hard time about what not wanting to cover the context, and then right. you just told me how perfectly insightful and important it is to this episode. It's also it's uh, it's written and directed by Phil Waller. Yeah, which we we have to acknowledge because he kind of like 
took over the Rydell saga. I think he's the reason it's a saga, maybe? That's good. If that's if he jumped in and made it great, then that's awesome. Well, no, but he was responsible for the last episode as well. Oh. Like I'm but I don't think I don't think he was on the first couple. I think he was just mm-hmm. director and not writer. Mm-hmm. I also I have just gen- like I'm really curious about how they break adventures and odyssey scripts like because like television most of the time just has one credited writer mm-hmm. but they still like writers room that thing yeah and there's like like it's not like one man is doing the whole thing and so i'm really curious to know if odyssey like if people are operating like pretty autonomously or if it's like a standard writer's room where like it's pretty collaborative, but like one person had like the backbone of the story because there's stuff in here. Uh, one joke in particular that we'll get into where I'm like, I want to know if that was something that Phil Lawler came up with or if this was like a writer's room thing. You know, I think I'm, I'm going to err on the side of it's just who, whoever's writing it. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, maybe maybe it, that's, that's maybe that's naive of me. But as for as far as like how much um, distinction I feel between the writing between episodes and stuff, like you would think that if it was generally the same people involved, that their the fingerprints would be less obvious. <laughs> yeah, I mean there is that to an extent, but I feel like even for like television shows that use a uh, traditional writer's room, you can still get like the distinctive styles between different mm-hmm. different writers. If you pay attention on on episodes, if you're like that ingrained in it. Yeah. That's and I suppose we are. I suppose yeah. we are. You want to roll the promo? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Just press that button. Oh, wait. No. The button doesn't work. <laughs> Whatever. Is the wiki down? The wiki might be down. That's okay. You know, the grace of God covers a multitude of sins. And the wiki being down is... It's not up to me to decide whether that's a sin or not. But, you know. And then the episode begins. Yep. <laughs> with music. Weird spy music that I love. Yeah. And it's like the interesting thing where it's like, normally, when they do, like... I don't know when they do really specialized music. Like they're do- they're doing super specific mu- music. It starts, goes for a bit, then Chris jumps in and says, "And now adventures in Odyssey," mm-hmm. and then it keeps going, which I realize is like a formula that Odyssey goes back to. But it's also like, I don't Weird. know, it's distinctive. Well, and I wonder if there is any sense of intentionality. Is it just distinct. It's distinct. I don't know what distinctive is. A dis- no, a, like a distinctive characteristic. But that's just a distinct characteristic. Like, distinct is already the noun form. Why would you say distinctive? Uh, yeah, is that even a word? I don't think so. It wouldn't make sense. The characteristic of one person or thing. Maybe that's just another time that uh, English is a stupid language. Yeah, why wouldn't you just say distinct? Distinct means easily separable or discrete. Distinctive is describes a unique feature belonging to one person or thing. Those sound like the exact same thing. Yeah. And they're almost the exact same word. Who knows? That's been Grammar Corner. <laughs> yeah, it happens every once in a while. So this episode begins with, like we were talking about, the intro music. Uh... And I thought it was good. And then we get Emily and Wit talking about the, basically the box situation from last episode. That's the first. Right. I mean, we literally start on, well, so it's a weird thing where it's like we start on the scene from last episode. Yeah. Except that that's not the last scene in that episode. Yeah. So it's just kind of like it a It picks up funny... where the other one left off, kind of. And so then they explain, then they explain it. And it's like, yeah, it's this really complicated thing. It uses uh, imagination station technology, creates this kind of augmented reality is what I'm picking up from it. Basically, Emily like went over to the sink to clean up the ice cream, and she puts those dots together. Yep. And, uh, and, and she starts to say, like, 
oh, this... I'm thinking. Yeah, I think I, I figured it out. Yeah, and then and then she's and then Wit's like, okay, who do you think it is? And she's like, I'm not gonna say. I'm gonna keep investigating. And Wit's like, okay, I will too. And then we can meet back. And I'm like, who is this Wit? Yeah, why? He's a very interesting character nowadays. He thinks he's like. She thinks she's put all this together, and he's like, okay, we'll keep on investigating. Yeah. Like, uh, He's very hands-off. He's taking a very, very permissive approach. I know. I'm like, I want him to be like, no, don't go do this. And then she does it anyways. I don't want him to be, like, weirdly Because he has to be right. It's just... Because he's been right from the get-go, remember? Has he... He was vaguely uncomfortable. <laughs> right, right. Which is, right, his 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 thing. Um, I also just, Wit's dialogue here was, like, so weird. Yeah. And, like, just felt wrong to the point where I legitimately wrote in my notes, is she still in the simulation? Yeah, no. Like, is this going to be a double curtain pool? And, it, and we find out, like, she was in the imagination station that had programmed in to have a fake imagination station that she was... Like, is this an inception that, thing? Yeah. Uh... And it, no, I... After this scene, I don't think that at all. But, like, wit felt off enough that I was second-guessing reality. No, I would say that... And this is... uh. Wit might be my least favorite character in this episode. Oh, actually, no, I think I hard agree with that stance. Yeah, and and that's not saying that I hate Wit, because it's very on brand for me to defend Stoika, but, uh... I'm not saying he's bad, I just don't like the writing. I just don't think that this one's one's it. Anyway. Yeah, and, and everyone else is pulling it off pretty well this episode. Oh my gosh, no, this is an incredible episode, I feel like, for voice acting and writing for these characters... Because then we get, what, um, Wit and Mori, because Mori busts in on Wit. He's, like, in his office, and Mori's voice is considerably different. Yes. Okay, I'm glad you clocked this as well. And it's still Atticus Schaefer. Is he just going through puberty? I, is I, this what Odyssey does? They well, just I mean, get female characters that are adults and male no. characters that are children? I mean, at the time of this, like, he is, what, this this was recorded in March, so he's, like, 21 or something atticus oh, schaefer is that's fair. like i'm pretty sure he is close to you're in my age yeah hmm so no but yes it doesn't feel it's maybe a welcome correction after the smarm of last episode yeah um where i'm like oh i find this voice performance a little bit better but when he is I think there's also the thing of, like, I think throughout the episode, he sounds more like Maury, mm-hmm. but it's the him yelling panicked through a door mm-hmm. when he's normally, like, quiet mm-hmm. and like very, reserved, like, reserved nas- nasally and not through a door. Yeah. So that trifecta really makes it sound not like Maury. Yeah. He's not like a... And his panic in the fa- in the past has always felt more neurotic and manufactured, right? Where in this one, it feels like you don't know, uh, honestly, because this was not this was not at all how I was expecting this episode to begin. It began with like picking up with this big information, and then right. it. And um, last episode cut that scene short. Hmm. Um. And then cut to Mori and Suzu in the middle of that scene. Yeah. And then this episode is like not, is like, extends that scene, but it doesn't add any additional information. Mm-hmm. It's just like, here's the extended cut. There's no new info. We just yeah. thought you might want to hear more about it to show you that it's connected to the last one. Woohoo! Yeah. Um... So, he thinks that Suzu was kidnapped by Emily. Right. Which, as a listener, I was like, whoa, what? He's just making this up. There's no way that this is actually happening. He manufactured all of this to pin it. Having listened to the whole episode, I fully agree with that statement. Yeah, but it really (laughs) sucked me in. It really sucked me in. It got me. You had me in the first... 
all of it. <laughs> I believed it. And then it was the when the episode ended, I was like, hmm, something. I'm I'm vaguely uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like I definitely see it's on brand for him to set that up. But that's also kind of like I don't know where Odyssey's going with this. Is this going to be the arc where he's the bad guy this whole time, or is there something else going I don't on? Know. There that's is, what I'm saying. There There's, is a problem that with this episode that is Emily and Wit are so dead set on it being Maury without a ton of clear evidence mm -hmm. that I'm like, is there going to be a reveal where it's not? Yeah. Like, I think still no, especially because, like, the show isn't going to make wit at fault. Mm -hmm. But it is weird. I don't know. It's just... If we get through this whole thing... And it was truly just Mori and or Suzu behind everything. Then I'm going to be disappointed at how hard the show telegraphed that it was the two of them. Mm -hmm. If we get through it and it's not the two of them, I'm going to be very irritated with how the show wrote their characters to be always suspicious. Mm-hmm. Like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm it's thinking... It's like a bit of like a, a... It's a bit of a damned if they do, damned if they don't kind of thing. Well, because... and what I'm saying is we've got two more parts of Wiggle Room that, like, when I... Like, uh, through the other side of the... What, the other side of the glass? Yeah. Was, um... That was a three-parter. That was a three-parter. And the difference... That took some pivots. And that's what I'm saying. That's given me some Odyssey trust issues with Bridal Revelations, and I'm thinking... We got two more parts, and I have no clue where this is going to go, considering yeah. how this episode ended, and, and whatever, we'll get there. Here's something we didn't talk about last week, and I think it's such a big spoiler. Like, I think, I think it's something that is so huge, that would be so huge if the series did it, that it would have been spoiled for me by now. Mm -hmm. But an imagination station that is transmitting wirelessly... Sounds so much like a Nova box. Yeah. And there's there's no way Odyssey pulled that off and I didn't hear about it. But if they did, holy crap. They just did the same thing again. No, 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 no. I'm not saying, like, well, yes. So either there is a connection there. Or... Or they just repeated something. So if they just repeated something... Oh yeah, my gosh, whatever. If, this, if that was intentional? But right, right. No, that That's the thing I'm saying, is I don't think that... I think if this was an intentional connection, someone would have spoiled it for me. Did like, Paul McCusker write Novacom? Nova... Oh gosh... Was Novacom a Novacom, I think, is... Novacom is during the era where Phil Lawler is making 3-2-1 Penguins. So it is, yeah, it's it's mostly McCusker. Yeah. Hmm. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure Lawler's not super involved, at least towards the end of Novacom. Yeah. But, but right... There's no way this actually is a Novacom connection, but also part of me is like, they've man, they've made up that Novacom late that would stage be aftermath. an incredible reveal because and the the that common denominator of like we have like this is a box based off imagination station technology that is like wireless. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing: I did not like I. I don't think that somebody would have spoiled it for me. I just think, I just think for as much time, I, I'm not saying someone would have intentionally spoiled it for me, but I, I can't imagine that, that I, that that wouldn't have been like, that I wouldn't have been keyed into that at all. I'm just wondering how many, I mean, I know that Odyssey has a lot of lifetime, like has some lifetime listeners that have, a lot of strong connections to older stuff that still listens to newer stuff. My question is, are they going to cater to that audience? And I have no idea. Continuity? And this is, this might pure, all be for not. Pure but, conjecture. But also, 
if that winds up happening, holy Moses. <laughs> and also, uh, I want all the credit in the world. Oh yeah. All also, do not tell me hashtag. Don't spoil the Rydell revelations. Yeah, yeah, please, dear God. This is giving me so much joy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was so... Also, I think the Rydell revelations is a better name for this thing as a whole than the Rydell saga, but it's also ambiguous because you could be talking about the three-parter or all, n- all nine. So, like, I get why you wouldn't do it. Yeah. But, like, I like that it's, like, the Blackguard Chronicles, the Novacom saga, the Green Ring Conspiracy... And then the Rydell Revelations has a nice, like, Yeah, it's feel distinctly it. different. Sorry, I didn't mean to say distinctly again. <laughs> no, you said distinctly, though, not yeah. distinctively. And distinctively different is the slogan for Moxie. That it is. God, it's been <laughs> so long since I've had Moxie. I miss it. Oh, it's like, yeah, Moxie. It's like a licorice soda. It's like a... F- it's like a vacation for your mouth. You just you don't get it that often. But when you do, you really just got to savor it. So can we have a companion shirt to the salami one that is just Moxie, a vacation for your mouth? Yeah. Moxie, oh, yeah. it's a vacation for your mouth. Salami, it's the kind of meat you don't, don't want to eat. My taglines will make nobody any money. Uh, but we do it for the love of the craft. We do. And boy, do we love the craft. Um, Minecraft, that is. I, I was thinking about it the whole time. The you, minute you ready, we said craft. <laughs> you ready to, to launch the official Wadfam trackpod Minecraft server? Don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we... We stopped covering the episode right when Mori accused Emily of kidnapping his Right, sister. because it's important to make a Novacom connection. Yes, 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 And yes. talk about Minecraft. Yes. Um, so, right. So then Mori's like, here is... I've got, em- I've got proof that she did it. Oh, I don't involve the cops because I think it's Emily. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I've got proof that she did it. Here is like... Is he? Does he show her? Does he? Sh- he he's got Emily's phone, where she records everything. Throughout this entire episode, he just keeps referring to recording. Yeah, it's audio or video. It's got to be just audio, right? It's audio. I'm thinking it's a voice memo, like old school right. detective style. Yep. You know. That that that's what I'm clocking as well. But when she f- he first said it, I was like, oh, it's a video recording. That's weird. No. But then he <laughs> that's yeah. Weird. That's weird. And it is weird, because I guess it's false. It is um, false. Maybe. We don't know. Who knows? Blah. Um. So, yeah. And then uh, Wit goes to unlock the phone, and he mentions that it's unlocked, and that it's not password protected, which makes me think that Maury did it. Right, right, right. Wit clocks it as suspicious. He calls it out as suspicious. You know what it made me think of? Hmm. Eugene has a device that unlocks phones that he used in the Green Ring Conspiracy. Yeah, that just tra- randomly generates letters and numbers. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Odds Maury used Eugene's device to get into Emily's phone? Pretty high. <laughs> Pretty high. If that's what happens... Oh, man, and Green Ring is recent enough that it... They... Mm, they could call back to that canon pretty easily. Oh, I hope it's so. some of the same characters. Phil... Don't let us down. <laughs> um, I know you've already written this and you can't change it, but so, God, I hope this isn't disappointing. <laughs> uh, you can change it, man. Just do, uh, they, they've already remade episodes. That's fair. Yeah, you could do it. Go for Looking it. Looking at you, uh, early Twilight Zone. <laughs> then they go and start playing yeah. the stuff from the, oh, wait, no, Mori, Mori explains that he, that the reason he thinks it's hers because he saw the two of he saw emily and suzu fighting and then followed he was the in the two computer. of them he was in the computer right. lab doing something after school looking saw outside them fighting at the bike rack through the window in my head it's raining i don't know why yeah i, I didn't i didn't clock the rain because we would have heard it but you know <laughs> yeah that's fine whatever then they bike to um Suzu and Mori's house, mm-hmm. uh, the Rydell estate, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he finds the phone, but not Suzu and Emily. And her room is ransacked. He doesn't say that. Though, yes, does. he does. Oh, he does? Okay. 
Yeah. I take it back because that comes up later. Which is not. weird because then he's trying to pin it on Emily as her kidnapping her. Yeah, no, he, his whole story makes no sense throughout. Yeah, why was the room messy? But then so, we we hear at the end of the episode that it was messy when Suzu and um, Emily got there. Right. And... But I don't oh, no, no, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they go and so they start playing the audio mm-hmm. from the phone. Mm-hmm. And it does like the classic Odyssey maneuver that I love where it every transitions time where it's Wit and Maury listening to the recording. So it's in like you can hear the recording being played in the room and then it goes into the recording itself. Yeah, yeah, and then it just takes you into that other world, and that is awesome. And it goes back and forth really well, this episode. And it's part of the reason I think the, like, I just love this episode is I think the editing is flawless. The editing's good. It does have, it's got a couple weird things. Yeah, it's got weird we things. to talk about. But the other thing that I love, and that this scene begins, is tracking back through the saga up till this point. By mm-hmm. Emily going around and talking to people. Yeah. And that was really awesome. nice. Awesome. So good. It talked about all the old episodes and was like, okay. I mean, not, cool. not all the old episodes, but. Oh, it talked about Parker for President, The Secret of the Writer's Ruse. It, I guess it does bring up the key suspect, but only barely. A sacrificial sca- escape. It, I guess it, no, I guess it does. The good in people. Right. Further from the truth. truth. So yeah, it does everything. It barely touches key suspect, but it does get in there. Yeah. And it is, yeah, this nice, this nice trip through the previous, the previous six. So the first part is Zoe talking to, uh, talking to Emily. And the thing that's interesting is there's not really any new information revealed Mm -hmm. through this whole walk back through memory lane, which I think is an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. It's all stuff that we as the audience knew, but Emily as a character did not. Yeah, yeah. There's maybe some linking that, but honestly, I think we have linked the episodes together better than what she managed to do by the end. Oh of this. no, no, yeah. The my thing that I've enjoyed is kind of watching her figure it out. Like that's yeah. what I like. Oh, about it's this it's really satisfying. Um, and if you focus on that, the fact that she didn't know, like, if you can suspend the belief that she hadn't figured it out by now, the watching her figure it out is pretty nice. Yeah, it's it's fun. And it's also, like, a great thing where it's, like, like getting to go back to Zoe and Olivia and, like, there's really good character oh stuff gosh, yeah. as a result of those yeah. things. It just, the last few episodes felt so self-contained and insular. Mm-hmm. Like, serial almost. And this feels so good to have a greater connection to the characters that we've seen throughout this, to Odyssey as a whole. It jumps around to different locations. It just feels, once again, like the show is alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it has to wrap up by the end of 20 minutes, which feels really good. Right. And it's I think got that's a little bit show... of room to breathe. Some might argue... Too much. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll, we'll find, find out. Because, once again, we have not listened ahead. Yep. And it, my, it auto-played part two while I was prepping oh, for no. this one. And I was like, nope. Cannot happen. Zoe is... So Zoe's like, hey, Maury was the one... Maury told me to, like, spice up the reporting during the election. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, you know, and caused controversy. And Emily's like, oh, yeah, you certainly did that. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You caused the controversy, Emily. Like, yeah. You went after the, the, the drama department. Yeah. Which is what started this. She's a reporter. <laughs> and that gets Emily to think about the note she found in her locker. Yep. And then this is where the first. Well, I want to talk about the adjective. The adjective used to describe her writing was saucy. Oh, yes, I did. I did find that Which really funny. I thought, yeah, huh. I, I, I think it's it, it's endearing. And also it's endearing to hear a children saying it, know that they knowing that they heard it from an old person. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Saucy has had a bit of a renaissance. Yeah, and I'm I, I like it. Well, the sauce, I mean. 
you get lost in it. Yeah, it's a, it's a cultural touchstone. It's a it's our generation's keystone. <laughs> the sauce. <laughs> so that this is the first audio, like end of a clip, start of a new one, mm-hmm. and I think it's handled poorly. Yeah, she without really like kind of mid-sentence going like gathering up her books or whatever from her locker Mm -hmm. ends the recording and then the next one starts with her going through paper yeah and they do a thing where rather than like cutting scenes with like music or whatever probably just to keep the pace going and the immersion i would say right they do the little they do like a little bloop Mm -hmm. the problem is that it sounds too much like a phone noise and I was listening on a phone and there's not a clear enough did you think your phone was going off the whole time <laughs> well there, there's there's not a clear enough no because after this it gets like it's it's totally fine yeah but the first one there's not a clear enough change in the sound design between that scene and the next one mm-hmm. like it sounds like if that beep hadn't gone off it would have just continued as one scene yeah. Even though we're jumping time. And so there was just a little bit of confusion where I was like, oh, it made a weird sa- sound. And then my sound cut out for a second. And then it kind of picked up where it already was. So it seemed like a glitch, not like, not a choice. And then they, and then when they repeat it and they do a better scene transition, then I think going forward, it totally works. And I like it as a device. And I'm thinking about, um, picking it up for our show for the time we have times we have awkward transitions just dropping that in oh just a uh, bloop yeah hmm. i don't know could be o- fun other podcasts i like do it when they have like really hard cuts between like where they cut out Segments. a bunch of audio yeah. and we do it but we just do it poorly where you're like there was definitely a cut in there but they didn't <laughs> acknowledge it in the show yeah um just because of that's kind of been my editing style we then have Emily looking at the note that was left in her locker, which she had kept in a file mm-hmm. um, back at her house, which I think is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and she realizes that the handwriting is a partial match to the writing in the front of the writer's ruse. Yep. So it's not enough for her to pin it on Maury, but like she thinks that that's probably like it confirms her suspicions. And this is kind of the problem mm-hmm. where I'm like, this whole episode she goes to Wit and says, starts and says, I think it's Maury, but I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. And then she is, throughout the whole episode, trying to confirm those suspicions. So she's going in with her mind already made up that it's Maury, mm-hmm. which makes me think that she's gonna, that she screwed up. Mm. Because. She is looking at everything through the lens of Maury is behind this. Mm-hmm. And while I also think Maury is behind this, as a storytelling thing, when you have someone go in already having drawn their conclusions, you should have their conclusions disproven. Yeah, like the that's why storytelling I'm thinking thing something is that, else. The pacing right. for for how much happens in this episode and the fact that there's two episodes left the pacing suggests that something big is going to happen. Right. Like good storytelling is that their gut leads them astray. Yeah. When they are like that set on something. Mm-hmm. You like the whole episode is being told of her going through evidence with the lens that Maury is guilty mm-hmm. and then her comparing that as evidence and figuring out how it proves her theory, yeah. which is bad scientific method. And a couple different characters half call it out. Yeah. Where they're like, yeah, but like none of that points to Maury. Mm-hmm. And so I really hope that the show isn't doing a thing where it's going through and being like, and all of this, and like Emily was right in assuming that it was Maury mm-hmm. and then going out to prove it. Because I think that that's not. That's not a good lesson. That's not good storytelling. And I'm really interested to see how they circumvent that without under servicing the character of Maury. 
Yeah, and that's a that's a pretty good transition to um, then what happens after she makes that handwriting comparison. She goes and then stakes out Maury's house, essentially. Right. She goes to check and look through the garbage for, um, like, pieces of discarded handwriting of Maury's to see if she yes. can compare it. And, uh, yeah, what, what, we, what you were talking about, I think the frustration that we're feeling here is the idea that, like, we know it's Mori, and if she already knows that it's Mori, that's going to be really disappointing because then all of the conflicts feel manufactured. But if it's not Mori, and what is, you know, being brought up by these other characters is this it's just that, like, yeah, this is bad detective work. Like, I get you get you you have a hunch, and you're probably right. But like, as far as giving everybody the benefit of the doubt and seeking justice impartially, not doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, but she's also a child, so like, I don't know how heavily to to morally judge her actions. <laughs> yeah, I just right. I just think that if the show doesn't, if a plot point of the show is not. Emily went in with an idea of what was happening and sculpted the story to that, then the show is falling short. But if the show, like, lets Maury off, it's also going to bother me. So we're in a tough spot. Did you get the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel joke? This is the portion that, where I thought, did a writer's room crack this? Or was this... Phil Lawler all on his own mm-hmm. because what is happening? The <laughs> because Maury refers to their nanny as the marvelous Mrs. Maidel, Maydow, Maydow, Mado, Mado. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a I joke. Ma- Mado is what is what they call her throughout. Mm-hmm. But yes, Maury. <laughs> Maury watches TV, MATV. I just need to, I, need to be known. So, so right. They so have sex is, on that TV show. I'm tattling. That show is great. So uh, We love it. The huge fan of yeah, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. The Wild, so, Wild Fam firmly standing behind Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So it's a weird thing <laughs> Not where for I'm children. like, does Phil Lawler watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and want to nod to it? Or did somebody sneak it in without him knowing? Right. Or well, or was this a joke that someone else made in the writer's room and they stuck to it? It's just like, it's funny to think about Phil Lawler watching that show. I also realize it's part of pop culture mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily have to watch a thing to be able to reference it. But, but it seems like a weird reference to do if you don't like yeah, the show. Yeah, it's incredibly uncharacteristic. And it's, and it's a weird thing where it's like, does the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel exist in the world of Odyssey? And is Maury making a knowing reference to it? I don't think so. I no, think it no, is no. the show making a reference to it. There is a much bigger version of this that I want to talk about someday when we do Green Ring that I think about like at least once a month. That is an insane insertion reference in the Green Ring Conspiracy. What? I'm not telling. Okay, we- okay. we- we'll talk about we'll it. We'll get into it. We- someday we're going to talk about Green Ring, and I'm going to spend like at least five minutes on okay. this. All right. I'm excited. I'm, reference. Looking- I'm looking forward to the callback. But um, it's so funny. And it's also a thing where it's like, no kid listening to Odyssey is, is going to get that. that. No, no. No, and I love it. It's it's very much a, a joke in a kids movie for an adult thing. It just it makes me so happy. I love I love that that show gets a shout out and it it just tickles me to think about Odyssey writers putting that in there. Things that you like, other people liking. Right. And makers of things that you like liking the same things as you. Right. And stuff that is not yeah, that that, that has no like connection to to Odyssey. It's so random. It, right. It was so it's, random. It's I heard not, it and I was it's like, It's not Odyssey. Huh. It's not like greater Christian it's like pop culture. In... It's a modern reference. So like when they do these sorts of references, it's usually like Shakespeare or The Princess Bride mm-hmm. or Star Wars, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. Like it's not the or Marvelous like Mrs. Maisel. Rock. Yeah. Right. This is a Marvelous Mrs. Maisel reference because this episode came out this year. Yeah. The I... year of our Lord, 2020. <laughs> So Emily goes up and talks to uh, Mrs. Mado or Maydow, um, 
and she has a very thick accent. This conversation is very weird for me because, like, there's this language barrier situation yeah. that's inhi- inhibiting it, but it's, like, also... It doesn't also... feel real. No, it doesn't. It feels contrived. Uh, Mori and Suzu have left. Yeah. I honestly, when they are from a distance, and she says, like, and he says, you know, bye, you know... See you later, marvelous Mrs. Mado, mm-hmm. or whatever Maury says, and they like walk away. I and 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 Mado says something, and I'm like, oh, is she Popov? Because it's in the distance, and like it's just like an accent voice, and yeah. I'm like, is this going to be the reveal that like she's Popov from the previous no two episodes ago? <laughs> nope. Not at all. Not unless uh, Popov is a really good actor and can race shift. Yeah. From uh, Asian to not Asian. Right. She's Eastern European, I believe. In, yeah. In that. It's. Yeah. So. So we get that and then we get her talking to it. We get the language barrier. It's a very interesting scene where uh, Mrs. Maydow is very clearly uncomfortable having this conversation you, you, we learn that she's their nanny and that their mom is dead and that their dad works at the Japanese embassy in Japan. Or works Correct. at the American embassy in Japan. U.S. embassy in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And Emily's detective skills regarding, like, this scene and later on with Suzu are really bad. And I hope this show doesn't validate them. Yeah. Because that's, that's the other thing. Like what we were talking about with how hard they're telegraphing that it's Maury that I like, I kind of hope it's not how hard they are. Like how pushy Emily is. I'm like hoping that someone that that needs to come back and like, she can't be justified. Yeah, exactly. If Suzu and Maury are the true evil behind all this, Mm -hmm. then she is justified for her actions of being pushy and kind of forcing herself in, in a kind of a, vigilante way yeah whereas if they're not then we can get her feeling bad Mm -hmm. about the way she's handling this because it is bad Mm -hmm. olivia reveals that like she has never seen maury's handwriting yeah everything he gave her was like tight Mm -hmm. which i think is kind of a funny thing he's a nerd (laughs) i love because like we've already seen her go through all of this stuff with Mm -hmm. zoe Mm -hmm. that she cuts olivia off and is like yeah i don't need to rehash the election again yeah oh yeah it was just so nice she was like yeah we're not we're not here to relitigate that her whole idea is like well they worked on the campaign together maybe she has his handwriting and like you can kind of see through the cracks for the episode where it's like Emily needed to talk to Olivia and this was a good way to set it up mm-hmm. more than like, it makes sense that she goes to her to talk about the handwriting. Yeah. But I also don't care because it is such, it's, it's, it's my favorite scene in this episode. Well, the Matthew scene's really good as well. Yeah. I was gonna say, I like the Matthew scene more, but that's just me. <laughs> no, I mean that that's fair. So Olivia fills in Emily on the whole drama club fundraiser thing. Yeah. And like, like, Oh, it sounds like it was too good to be true and stuff like that. Like very much rehashing, um, all the stuff that happened in that episode, the mysterious voice, the phone call, the money, explaining all of that. Not the mysterious voice, just a, a, a mysterious, mysterious voice. voice. Yeah. <laughs> she talks about Jordan, the, the a mysterious voice, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find out that, that he, cause I guess this was, I mean, in my opinion, this was left hanging, mm-hmm. which is that. They, he never refunded the money, like, after the trip or anything. Yeah. Which Maury hinted that he might do. Yeah. In that scene with Suzu at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. And then that, like, didn't happen, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. I also only clocked in this scene for the first time, which is hilarious because we had a full episode of this. But the idea that Maury is in the drama club, I find really funny. Mm, yeah, I, he he he's strikes like, me as a tech guy, right? Well, he's a math nerd. Yeah, and also, I mean, in the drama club. Oh yeah, I knew a lot of lot of very academically intelligent people that were heavily involved in theater. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's like it's not like he's a jock and in the math club. I yeah. just thought it was like I don't nice. know, a little, little funny thing of like, oh yeah, I want to see like I. 
and obviously we have no idea how this ends, but I do hope, I don't know, I have, I have a hope that at the end of this, Mori and Suzu get to continue being characters within the town of Odyssey? Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was at too. I hope they don't just get whisked away. Like, I, I don't know. We don't know what's going on with them. I would like to know more, and I'm curious to know if I want to know less at the end of this three-parter. <laughs> Time will tell. Yeah. Then this conversation ends in a way that I think is great, which is Olivia suggesting that Emily go talk to Matthew. Yeah. Which is perfect, because that's an She's older like, sister. It's Matthew's older sister. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and she says... She also is, like, pushing back a little bit on the Maury thing, where she's, Mm -hmm. like... She's going through the story of Maury and how he was involved in the Drama Club fundraiser. But at the end of it, Emily's like, well, so what was suspicious about what Maury was doing? And she was like, oh, nothing. It was just something weird that's happened in recent days. But, like, he was perfectly normal. He didn't think I should take the money. Um... He, there was nothing suspicious about how he acted. He chipped in just as much as the rest of them. Are you sure? Like, you know, you think something's up with him? And Emily's like, yeah, absolutely. And she's like, well, have you talked to Matthew? And she's like, no, I've been avoiding him. And, you know, that's at which point Olivia's like, go talk to Matthew. And she's mm-hmm. like, okay. Mm-hmm. And the, and that's that's where we get the really, really great scene between the two of them. And um, so they're recounting the last episode with the AR Imagination Station cocktail um, adventure. Nova Box? Nova Box. <laughs> Novacom Kids Center. And Matthew is defending Maury in the sense that he doesn't think it's her. He knows him because he takes math class with him. Um, and apparently, uh, things we learned in the scene, his handwriting is terrible. And yep. he's really good at math. Yep, confirming the previous episode. Yeah, and that the uh, sacrificial escape definitely really emotionally scarred both children. (laughs) Yep. Glad they talked about that. I know, and and that's what I'm so glad about is that they were... Once once that started getting brought up, which doesn't happen until the next scene. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, but um, talking about, you know, uh, Matthew did it. So he's talking about the previous episode with this AR thing where Matt concocted a mystery, Matt, Matthew concocted a mystery for her to solve, to help her cope with losing him as a partner. Right. And, uh, and she's like, Oh, you know, did you do it? And he's like, ah, no, no, I didn't do it. Which I thought was really cute. And I just really like their relationship. I love their relationship. Kids like, talking about their feelings mm-hmm. it's so good it's so healthy i just i love it i like that they're not leaving this like tension behind between them matthew is so understanding it's nobody getting mad mm-hmm. like i love that all of the conflict throughout their like the matthew emily relationship is hands down my favorite thing about this saga at this point yeah oh yeah and the fact that they have never blown up on each other gotten mad and stormed off Mm -hmm. they have always been very like nice to each other emily has been hurt Mm -hmm. by things that matthew has said and matthew is fully understanding of that and isn't like well you shouldn't be he's like yeah like i'm so sorry it's just like i gotta be true to myself and you know here's the like but it doesn't mean we can't be friends like i just i love the efforts to which this show goes to 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 preserve the integrity of that relationship yeah and to not just make it like every other like sitcom or kids tv show where like the conflict is that the characters are not communicating mm-hmm. or that they're, they're secretly in love or something right, like that right and it's not like although they did. although now that now that they're fully separated i, know, I, I know. would it makes me it, want it even more this episode did kind of set in where i'm like I, yeah. is this end game I like them so much as platonic friends, but yeah. I'm also there's also part of me that's like, 
But they would be cute together. Well, and that's the thing, where she can have Suzu as her partner, and Matthew can just be her boyfriend, and then we get to keep both of them. Yeah, but also Matthew and Suzu. Oh, you're right. Boy, take us back to Parker for President. Those are the good old days. Actually, that was key suspect. Oh, Suzu's okay, not yeah. in Parker for President. Matthew Matthew also in this conversation comes down and says that like he thinks Emily's reasoning is thin. Yeah. That he doesn't think Maury had anything to do with the escape room. And Emily is convinced that like Maury had everything to do, that he's been manipulating Suzu. Basically, Emily is taking the stance that you and I have took over the past couple episodes, which makes me even more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And there's so much wiggle room. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We've got two episodes. Everything could change. Yep. Yeah. And then the scene ends with them talking about their feelings, which yeah. is great. And then we get her talking to Suzu. Uh, uh, not talking to. No. We get her harassing yes, yeah. Suzu. So a thing that I think is really important to point out about this scene that I caught more on my second listen or like clocked it is it's not that Suzu is trying to get away from Emily. No. She is in the middle of something. Yep. She is already going through something mm-hmm. when Emily shows up. Mm-hmm. And she is scared before Emily opens her mouth. Yeah, I like, think this, this is... I think Mori is a master manipulator that's definitely... With some sort of concoction of blackmail and whatever. Child psychology? Yeah, maybe not child... Yeah, it could be. could be. What <laughs> if he's got, a deg- he's got a degree? <laughs> he goes into his secret lab. He's got all his technology and stuff. And up there on the wall, a degree in child psychology from Rutgers. How do you say it? Rutgers? Rutgers? R-U-T-G-E-R-S. I know what, I know what R- you're saying. R- Rutgers! Never- Rutgers! That's how you say it. Oh, that, that would make sense. Don't even know that they've got a particularly good child psychology program. This has... Yeah, this exchange is just so stressful, and I hate it. And it's... Yeah, Suzu's leaving in a panic, and she's, like, like running into him and is basically bullying her about the fact that her brother is bullying her into working for him right. while she's very clearly having a panic attack from her, from him just doing the same thing. I, interesting, I don't think I got the feeling, and once again, I could be totally wrong, but I think that there is a third force outside of Mori at play. Oh, I hope so. I sincerely I, hope so. I truly, this last scene really confirmed, well... I think really confirmed that. But. Crap. I just solved it again. Is it Parasite? I hate it when I do that. Frick. Come on. Is that real? Mm. So. This whole scene happens. Okay. Uh-huh. And Emily is being really pushy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. part of her pushiness is Suzu tries to leave. Emily grabs the backpack. Yeah. Rips it open. Backpack opens up. Falls down. And. Her notebook falls out with her name written in the notebook. Yep. Emily's like, hey, that's the handwriting from the other thing. Yep. They get back to the house. Suzu's room is ransacked. Yep. She's freaking out. Suzu's ram. This is this is my theory, and I 100% think I'm right, and I take back my there's a third-party theory maybe a little bit. Suzu's room is ransacked because Mori was looking for the journal, which Suzu had on her. So he couldn't find it in her room. I'm right, right, Andrew? <laughs> if you're not right, I'm even more mad. <laughs> <laughs> we did it! We're smarter than the children that the show is designed for! <laughs> but we know there's something up with that journal. Yeah. We know that Maury wants his grimy little hands on it. Yeah. We know that greased eel <laughs> yeah we slippery than a greased eel um that was something we didn't call out I oh i've got a lot of i've got a lot of those in this. <laughs> so we know maury he was doing something suspicious with the journal last episode mm-hmm. he says he finds it he makes that stupid comment about not understanding japanese mm-hmm. he totally does there's something with that journal that matters and mm-hmm. he totally 
ransacked her room to find the journal. Yep. That she had on her. And she had it on her. Yep. And so... Uh, and it's this not... Mo- because Emily could have ripped open her bag and seen any thing of, of her handwriting. with the handwriting. But they specifically say... And Emily goes above and beyond to be like, that whole... Your whole thing was in Japanese except for the front cover which said property of Suzu Rydell in the same handwriting as the note, which I think, as the note in the book, which I think is really interesting, because earlier she was like, I can't quite conclude that the note and the book are the same thing. And then she sees that, and she's like, it's identical to both of them. And I'm like, that's weird. But hmm. Maury was definitely looking for... Maury could have been imitating her handwriting in one right. of them, depending on her. Oh, shoot. Yep. No, you're you're right. Because we know Suzu was involved in the writer's ruse. Yep. So that was absolutely her handwriting. And she was involved in the key suspect. But the note in the locker was Maury doing Suzu's handwriting? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Fist bump. All right, we are cracking the case here, folks. What's going to happen now? But yeah, so, right. So they get back to the room. The door is already open. She calls up to Suzu. Suzu yelps. Mm-hmm. And then they go up and see the room. The interesting thing is, like, I thought Suzu yelped. I got the impression that Suzu was already... Suzu had enough of a lead. Mm-hmm. Because Emily had to go get her bike and then bike to Suzu's house. When she got there, the door was open. Mm-hmm. She walks in, calls out for Suzu. Suzu starts to say something and then yelps. I got the impression that Suzu was already in her room. I don't think she was yelping at the room being ransacked. Yeah, no, 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 no. I think she has already been in her room. She I think she was in her room. Something happened. Then she yelped. Then Emily came up. Hmm. I'm, I'm not. Mm, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. That, that's I, some good. I like the idea. I think you're probably right. We've, we've, I believe we've struck pretty well so far. And I think this might be the, the one that doesn't pay off. So, they, we then hear the recording of what Maury claims is Emily kidnapping Suzu. Yep. But what 100% sounds like Emily and Suzu getting kidnapped. Oh. I think it is 100% both of them struggling in that audio. And Maury somehow got both of them? I don't know... How that logistically works out. Drugs? But... Maybe. But I... I think that... It is both of them struggling. I don't think it is one person overtaking another. Yeah, no, no. That 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 sounds very on brand. Oh my gosh, and then Matthew's gonna have to save her. Oh, yeah, that would be sweet. Oh, it'd be epic. Yeah. Yeah, oh man. Oh, I hope so. All this guessing. And then... <laughs> I don't know. Is Jason in Odyssey at this point? There's so much spy stuff that I'm like, when do we involve Jason? Jason yeah. <laughs> like, if there's or a kind of... I don't know. Yeah, I know. I'm missing, like, some of the other townies, but whatever. We got Eugene a little bit. Yeah, we did get a little bit of Eugene. Um, that, Go for it. This is when Wit accuses Maury of gaming everything. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Suzu, like... This is when she says, well, we, we didn't cover the part where she said, we would never endanger you. Oh, right. We completely skipped over yes, that. Yes, because I got worked up on my theory. But yeah, when Emily is really interrogating Suzu, mm-hmm. when she puts together the handwriting thing, yeah, Suzu's then like, we would never do anything to endanger you. And yeah. Emily's you like, are, we? She's like, right. She's like, we never put you in any danger or something yeah. like that. And then Emily's like, oh, you were in on this too. Or any real danger. Because that was when we, that was, in that moment was when uh, we heard Emily freak out about the fact that she thought she, she was going to die. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying, good Dylan. Scene. Yeah, yeah, I got no, you. Good, you're good, good you're good. good. Double back. We got, we got, we got caught up. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Yeah, so like, this is all, all happening and then they go upstairs, we see all that, this crazy commotion, and then this episode ends with Maury 
uh, being like, see, clearly she's kidnapped her. And then Wits crosses his arms and leans his back in his chair and is like, no, I think she was on to something. And I think you have a lot of explaining to... He's such a jerk. Yeah. Why is Wit being like... He's so smug. He Wit is should absolutely be above a child. Um, <laughs> the fact that he is... The fact that he's like... Trading punches yeah. with a kid really bugs me. Yeah, so then yeah, and this is that's that's where the episode goes out. We get a really good outro. Um we get basically just the classic Chris being like, What's gonna happen? And also being God is like, sovereign. Right. Uh you know, there seems to be a lot of mystery here. Well, God can see through all of that. Yeah. Essentially. That's just the very quotes loose. Hebrews. Yeah. yeah. It great, it, awesome. It, it it works. Mm-hmm. It's All right, functional. theories. Go, Dylan. I Suzu think... and Mori are clearly working together. Yeah, in some capacity. Yes. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Because every time I take a step back, I'm like, I can't. Mo- I there can't could be a third party this... controlling Mori. Right. I cannot make this fit a larger picture is the problem. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I can solve a bunch of these micro things where it's like, mm-hmm. I knew Suzu was in on the escape room mm-hmm. a year ago and yep. it's revealed in this episode. Yep. And I imagine that that, like, I didn't think about it until just now, but that should have been a big reveal. If yeah. I didn't, like, if I hadn't, like, ju- if, like, if I didn't piece together those things... That would have been, like, I think not to be like, oh, I'm better because I was able to solve this, whatever. We just spent a lot of time thinking about it and came at it from a different lens than a lot of people. Well, we verbally processed it together on mic. (laughs) Right. But, like, I imagine for the general audience, that right there is a big reveal. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And, like, I... But we've been viewing this whole thing as, like... Chronologically, back to back to back. Right. And... We had the sacrificial escape and knowing that Suzu was in on it, coloring the entire time we were following Suzu. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, do you have any, like, closing thoughts on the episode? I feel like we've said a lot of things. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of... I want to listen to the next episode. I do too. (laughs) I'm kind of team Mori kidnapped the two of them and is, like, holding them hostage and maybe, like... He's got the he's got leverage on the nanny and she's like helping him. Like that's how they overpowered two kids. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know, but no part of that struggle made me think. Like listening to the audio and even knowing at so there's like the framing device of this episode, <gasps> the fact that they set it up at the top that this is what's going to happen and then the end is supposed to prove that, but I even listening to the audio knowing that that was what was set up was like that audio was so inconclusive and absolutely didn't, like, sell me on the fact that Emily kidnapped Suzu and Andrew had a revelation while I was talking about all that. No, I didn't, actually. Oh. No, I was thinking about a theory and then I solved the theory in my head and it wasn't right. <laughs> I followed a rabbit trail and I was like, mm, maybe, maybe something about it. I was trying to make a connection so I could make it make sense, but it didn't work. Yeah, I there's also there's got to be something that like relevant about so like there is the weird thing that we find out this episode, which is that Mori and Suzu are living alone mm-hmm. in a house in Odyssey with their nanny. Mm-hmm. Their dad is an ambassador to Japan, like the mm-hmm. U.S. ambassador to Japan. So he is not. It's not like he's like away on business. No. He has never lived in Odyssey. Yeah, and their mother is dead presumably for a long time. Well, I guess it's Maury's mom, mm-hmm. not Suzu's, because she's adopted. Yeah. Unless it's like a... Unless it's like two families that came together kind of thing, but we don't get that impression. A half-sister? Well, no, I mean, right. A half-sister, but he always... He says she's adopted. Mm-hmm. So the only thing would be like, if like both of the... Like, both Suzu's mom and Maury's dad came from, like, both, like, had kids and then married. Mm. But I, I think that that's unlikely. Although, I don't know. We, we've we've called into question the whole Suzu thing of, like, 
she was adopted when she was noticeably old. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed this episode. I, not to say that it's not without its kinks and its frustrations, but as far as making me want to listen to more Odyssey, I think it's certainly accomplished its task. Yeah, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's subjectively good. That that just it will be proven by how the next couple episodes yeah, unfold. I'm, my my be- my deepest fear is that this is the best episode in the trilogy and that it gets worse from here. Like, or that like stuff later undercuts some of the stuff that yeah, was good yeah. in this one. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. Um the uh only thing I wanted to plug here at the end if if you're okay with it order. Andrew, um <laughs> A writer who goes by the name Jay Smouse did oh. a really good, in my opinion, write-up of our um, podcast, podcast yeah. on his blog, AIO Opinions. I'll yeah. put a link in the description. He was previously had left a review for us in Canada and has since updated that on Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. and has since updated that review to be the entire review from his site, which oh, I think nice. is really fun. So if you're a... Uh, Canadian person who listens on Apple Podcasts, you can read the review there rather than on the Adventures and Opinions blog. It is set up like a plugged-in review, and it... Uh, some some strong nostalgia for me. Yeah, and it ends on a line that I love, and I I don't know. I just... I want to yeah. read it because it's like my... Fa- it's one of my favorite reviews in just th- this, where he says, in conclusion, I think that the Wadfam Chalk Pod is a good podcast for those with the same worldview as the hosts. But it's even more interesting, I think, to hear what Adventures in Odyssey looks like through a different lens. I highly recommend you subscribe to their podcast. Yeah. And I was just like, that makes me so happy. Like, that is what we're trying to do. And I really, really appreciated that review. So thank you. Uh, pseudonym Jace Mouse. I assume you're not the character Jace Mouse writing, but if you are, that'd be cool. And impressive sentient um, fictional characters yeah. it's always been a dream of mine so i'll throw that link in the description and uh you can uh you know go there read the review also leave Give us some a review love. on yeah. apple podcasts or your blog i'm open Whatever to blog you reviews do. yeah um and uh and buy our merch and uh <laughs> <laughs> just plug just plug yeah. plug plug i and mean now that we've got merch it feels weird but like mm, i guess we can do that yeah we always have something to plug and we're off next week mm-hmm. with, for our traditional uh, Thanksgiving break. We've been at this long enough to have a tradition. I know. Two years running. Crazy. But we will be back the week after to talk about the Rydell Revelations Part 2, Episode 899. So Rydell Revelations... Part 3 is Episode 900. There's no way they can live up to that. Are they going to live up to that? We'll find out. See you in two weeks, Jock Squad. Bye, guys. Wadfam Chalkpod is a presentation of the Lidditz Podcast Co-op. This show is a fan podcast and has no official affiliation with Adventures in Odyssey or Focus on the Family. As such, the copyright is ours under Creative Commons. Follow the podcast at Wadfam Chalkpod on Twitter and Instagram or email us at wadfamchalkpod at gmail.com. The Rydell Revelations Part 1 was hosted by Dylan Weaver and Andrew Sabo, and edited by Dylan Weaver. And I'm Nathan Haverstick, hoping you'll join us again next time for more of the Wadfam Chalkpod. Bye.